0: Welcome to the Numa Church Podcast. For more information on all things Numa, please contact us on our website, numa.church. Now get ready for another inspirational message you to go with me to Luke chapter 5 verse 1. God's been speaking to me out of this passage of scripture over the holidays and I just felt that this was my assignment to bring to you today as we begin the year together. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, it says this, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, also known as the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid from now on, you'll be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. I want to speak to you on this first Sunday for me and maybe you here at Newman Church as we begin this year. I want to speak to you on the subject, but at your word, but at your word. It was back in 2006 when my wife and I, we planted a church. Many of you would have heard some of our story and we led that church for nearly seven years And uh, in those first three years, we grew from about 13 people in a lounge room to over 400 regular attendants. Many of them were first time believers, was in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne and had really become such an incredible part of our family. We'd sacrificed, sown and invested into the life of this church that we had planted that in... Uh, 2012. In fact, I remember the very day and where I was. I was having my devotions at Lilydale Lake on Saturday, May 5, 2012, when God asked me to, in fact, release the church and resign as a senior pastor because he had something that was more significant for me in time to come to put my hand to and to pick up. Little did I know when God spoke to me that word that God had Pneuma Church in mind for us all these years later. And as he spoke to me these words, it didn't make sense to my wife and I. We'd invested everything, all of our life, our family, our finance, everything was invested into this church. Anyone who's ever started a business of sorts and knows what it's like to invest themselves significantly into the startup of that and see that move forward. When God calls you to plant a church, it takes all of your effort, all of your energy, all of your resource and strength. and, And God was doing amazing things. And we just couldn't conceive that God would ask us to release that and resign from that. Well, I wrestled with that, as you can imagine, over many months. And then ultimately, I resigned and handed it over and moved into our next season. Little did I know at that time that in 2019, we would become and commissioned the leaders and pastors of Numa Church. But the truth is, we wouldn't be here today had we not been prepared, firstly, to pay the price to hear the voice of God, and secondly, to have the courage to obey what God asked us to do. See, many of us get frustrated in our lives with the results or the outcomes of our best efforts But many of us aren't thinking about the priority importance of firstly hearing God and following his voice and obeying him versus trying to come up with it in our own strength and in our own efforts. You see, following Jesus is a little bit like signing your name at the bottom of a blank contract. And before you sign on the dotted line, you ask Jesus, what what am I signing up to? What are the details that I'm actually committing myself to? And Jesus looks at you and says, just sign the contract. I'll fill in the details later. Am I right or am I right? Many of us like to have everything worked out almost like a blueprint sort of plan in front of us where it's all worked out and we know what we're committing to this is how life works but in the kingdom of God it doesn't work like that and when God fills in the details of your life it isn't always comfortable it's not always convenient and it certainly isn't always logical and yet Jesus calls us to pick up our cross deny our flesh and follow him And in Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 5, we read about an extraordinary encounter between Jesus and Peter. Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is the Son of God who has performed miracles on this body of water. He has walked on top of the water, defying the laws of gravity. He has spoke to the wind and the waves and commanded the storm to cease and it obeyed his voice. Why? Because he was the son of God. And now he finds himself with a crowd of people pressing in around him, trying to get close to him, to get a miracle, to hear a word from God. And Jesus looks at a fishing boat and he hops into the fishing boat and he asks, Peter to put out a little bit from the land and he uses the water to project his voice so that he could more effectively minister to the people that the father had entrusted him with. At the end of his teaching ministry, he looks at Peter and he says, Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, it's really interesting that Jesus asked Peter to go deeper when Peter had already been just that night before in the deep trying to catch fish. You need to understand something about the nature of God. God only ever asks you to go deeper because He wants to give you greater. God doesn't ask you to go deeper because He wants to disappoint you because He somehow is going to use it against you. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. It's become a cliche scripture in the church, but it's nevertheless true. God doesn't ask you or ask something of you because He's trying to take something from you. He'd ask something of you because He's trying to give something to you. But many of us hold God off at arm's length. We almost sort of Dusty Martin stiff arm him because we, we, we're we worried that God is going to somehow do a number on us. And so we live our lives wanting to follow Jesus but being sceptical. Can we really trust God? With our deepest, darkest dreams and desires or secrets or whatever it may be, can we really trust God? And the answer is you can. The Bible tells us in James 1:17, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes down from the Father of lights of whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. The Bible says in John 14, 12, even greater works than these shall you do. You've got to step into 2020 with a great expectation that you can trust the character of God, the nature of God, that if He has called you to go deeper this year, it's not to disappoint you, it's to give you greater than you've ever received or you've ever experienced before in your life. You see, before a skyscraper can be built high into the sky, in fact, a pit needs to be dug deep into the soil. What happens is, as they bring earth-moving equipment in and they begin to remove the soil, they build that substructure, foundation, they put steel and concrete into that foundation because the depth of the pit determines the height of the building. The higher you want to go, the deeper you have to dig. And I'm here to tell somebody, the higher that God is calling you to go in Him this year, the more and the greater that God wants to give you is going to require a corresponding dig into the depths of your relationship with God. You've got to make a decision and resolve in your heart that this year you are not going to tolerate a shallow relationship with Jesus. You're not going to tolerate a surface level understanding or knowledge of who He is. It's time to uh, dust off your Bible and not just read it or just have a simple scan of it, but to study it again in 2020. It's time not just to think about joining a life group, but join a life group and be discipled. Have someone speak into your life. Listen to a podcast regularly from Numa Church. Get in a prayer group and meet regularly with some people, just an hour or two hours a week where you'll pray together. Start to disciple somebody else in your world. Sign up for Numa College. Do something that's going to dig deeper into your personal relationship With Jesus Christ. See, the parable of the sower issues a warning to every single believer in this room. Mark chapter 4, verse 4 it says, A soul went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, the plant was scorched, excuse me, and since it had no root, it withered away. What is Jesus trying to communicate to us through this parable of the soul? What is the Holy Spirit 2,000 years later trying to illuminate and show us what is the spiritual truth? And the answer is the more shallow your heart, the less capacity you have for the seed of God's word to grow in your life. When the tests of life come when the challenges of life come, if we don't have any depth in the soil of the condition of our hearts, the seed of God's Word cannot grow. It cannot. We cannot receive greater because we haven't dug deeper into our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Why is it that two people hearing the same word in this auditorium today, same church, same preacher, same sermon, could walk out of this place and produce two different results. One outcome, one result, one fruit, maybe a hundredfold return. The other person may not produce any fruit at all. What is that about? Is it an issue with the seed of God's word? No, the seed of God's word works in the Philippines. It works in Indonesia. It works in France. It works in San Francisco. It works in Bangkok. It works in Perth, apparently, I think. It works in... Poland. It works in Melbourne. The seed of God's word works. Why is there two different results? Because it all comes back to the condition of our hearts. Yeah, good. It comes back to the depth of what we've cultivated in our walk with God, in our relationship with God. You have as much of God today as you wanted him yesterday. And you'll have as much of God tomorrow as you want him today. And so if you're prepared to begin to dig deeper into the soil of your relationship with God this year, you're going to build your capacity to receive more revelation from heaven, more seed of God's Word in your heart that is going to produce a harvest of righteousness in your life. God wants to give you greater, Newman Church, but you've got to dig deeper. What was Peter's initial response to Jesus when... when, uh, Jesus comes to Peter and says, hey, Peter, put out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. Peter responds like you and I, many of us respond when God asks us to do something that is inconvenient, uncomfortable and illogical. Peter said to Jesus, Master, we have toiled all night and we took and caught nothing. In other words, this is what Peter was saying. Jesus, you're the Messiah, I'm the fisherman, let the man do his job. I know how to fish, I've been out at this game for a long time and I've been fishing and toiling and labouring all night and yet I have caught nothing. This is illogical, it doesn't make sense. I don't think that somehow, just because you said that we're going to go and catch fish, that somehow magically fish appear. I've been at this a long time and we haven't caught Any fish. In other words, Peter was relying on his past history to dictate what God wanted to do in his future miracle. Never let your past history rob you of your future miracle in 2020. It's so important that you understand when God wants to give you greater, he doesn't go and consult your past. And I think that's a blessing that he doesn't go and ask for permission from your logic or go and check the opinions of your friends and family when he wants to give you greater, when he wants to bless you with more. He just says, dig deeper, get ready, position yourself because I want to give you greater in your life. Wilma Rudolph was age four when she contracted double pneumonia and scarlet fever, ending up with a paralyzed left leg. She wore a steel brace on that left leg for many years and her mother encouraged her to walk while Wilma, at a young age, dreamt of being a professional athlete. At age nine, she removed the brace and took her first step. For four years, she learned to walk and at age 13, she entered her first race and came last. She finished last in every race until one day she came second last. She persisted with her running and finally won a race. And at the 1960 Olympics in Rome, she won three gold medals in the 100, 200 and 400. Let me tell you, you've got to stop letting your past history rob you of your future miracle. God wants to give you greater than anything you've seen or experienced in your past. There is a reason why your front windscreen is bigger than your rearview mirror. It's because where you're going is more important than where you've been. But many Christians and many people are stuck looking at their rearview mirror about to have a crash in their life. They're stuck in the rut of the past because they think that their past experience dictates what God can do and wants to do in their future. But I'm here to tell somebody the devil is is a liar. God has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Just let that medicine of His Word get into your spirit and make you feel happy in January 19, 2020. What did I say? Yeah, January 19, 2020. Ah what are you on about? (laughs) Let me preach, just you support. (laughs) Dr. Mike. (sighs) Uh, You know, and we, we hear preaching like this and and, and on the surface, we're like, yes and amen, I'm there, but deep in our hearts, if we're real honest with ourselves, we say, pastor, but you don't know what I've had to go through in my past. You don't know that maybe for some of you in this room today, you've struggled with addictions. Maybe you've wrestled with brokenness in your marriage. Maybe multiple relationships have started and broken. Maybe there's been someone in your family you believed and prayed for to be healed and They died and and all your hope and your faith and your passion for the things of God and, and to say dream again just seems like a pipe dream because of all the things that you faced in your past. But this is why it's so important to own a Bible and read it. Because when you read the Bible, you read the testimonies of people who didn't let their past history rob them of their future miracles. You read about Moses who at age 80, He's hiding away on the backside of a desert in fear for his life because he had killed and murdered an Egyptian. And, and here God comes to him and calls him to be a deliverer of a nation. You have Joseph who is falsely accused and in prison. And uh, and everything seemed to be going the wrong way from the original dream that God gave him. And yet God gave him revelation to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and he became prime minister of Egypt. The apostle Paul persecuted and killed Christians, and yet on the Damascus Road, he has this amazing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, an open heaven, an open vision, and God calls him to become an apostle to the Gentiles, to advance God's kingdom, to preach the gospel, and he is the one who wrote these words in Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind. "'and straining forward to what lies ahead. "'I press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus.'" He's not saying that you don't just dismiss what has gone on in your past, but you entrust what God has done in your life. You entrust the pain of your past to a God who cares, to a God who knows, to a God who is with you and knows what to do with the broken areas of our life to bring back together the dreams and the callings and the purposes. God is saying to us today, don't let your past history rob you of your future miracle. You see, when Jesus called Peter to put out into the deep, to let down his nets for a catch, Peter started to point out the reason why that would not be a good idea. And as you're reading this story and Peter's explanation to Jesus, it's almost in the middle of it. He remembers who he's speaking to. He remembers that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He remembers who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He remembers when Jesus commands the wind and the sea to obey him. He remembers when Jesus calls him out of the boat and to walk on top of the water. And he says these words that I believe God, by His Spirit, wants to etch into our hearts today. He says, But at your word, I will let down the nets for a catch. You see, What you can't do through your strength, God can do through your obedience to His Word. Because as soon as He did what He said He was going to do, what Jesus had asked Him to do, the Bible tells us that they let down their nets for a catch and they enclosed so much fish that the nets were breaking. They called the other fishing boat. Both boats began to sink because what you can't do through your strength, God can do through your obedience this year. To his word. You see, Peter declared that phrase, but at your word. It's illogical. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand it. I'm a professional fisherman. This doesn't make any sense to me, but at your word. Because you said it, that settles it. I'm going to be obedient to what you asked me to do, even though I don't really understand it. Now, when Peter used that word, word, but at your word, in the Greek, it's translated as rhema, which means the inspired word of God. I believe every time we step into a new year, we need a rhema-inspired word of God. What is God's rhema-inspired word to you this year? What has God spoken to you in your devotions What is it that resonates in your heart? It was just a few weeks ago on holidays as I was in the early days of this year where God spoke to me from Ecclesiastes 11, 6, and He said, in the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand for you don't know which will prosper or whether both will be alike. God was speaking to me about this is a year of sowing, sow in the morning, sow in the evening, sow all throughout the day because God intends to prosper the work of this house. He intends to bless and give greater more than in the past. But He's saying, as you sow, 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 shall you reap, God wants to bless you, God wants to give you greater, but you and I have got a part to play in that. What is your word this year? What has God spoken to you in these first days of 2020? If you haven't got something clear, a rhema word from God, I want to encourage you over the next few days, get alone with God, shut the door on all the distractions and get your Bible out and say, God, give me a rhema word for 2020. What do you want to do in my life? What do you want me to believe for? What do you want to do in my heart? You know, when we were church planters, we needed a $100,000 when you only got a few people who are bringing their tithe and giving their offering. You, you, You need money to fit out buildings and to do all sorts of things. And the church had giving fatigue. And I was praying saying, God, would you please give us a word in season? What do you want us to do? And God's rhema word came to me in the midnight hours. And God said, I want you to run from Sydney to Melbourne to raise the money. And after I rebuked the devil for that, I actually began to realise God was speaking. And, and, and it didn't make sense. It was inconvenient. It was definitely uncomfortable. But I had this Peter response in my heart, but at your word. And $160,000 later, as our team and our church were astonished at what God did, we were reminded again, what we can't do in our strength, God can do through His Word. You've just got to be obedient to it. And what God is actually asking you to do in your life. You see, the most powerful force in the universe is God's Word. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made from things that are visible. The most powerful force in your life in 2020 is not how busy you are. It's not how creative you are. It's not how many self-help principles you put into place in your life. It's how obedient and aligned you are to the Word of God in your life. Genesis 1.3, God said, Let there be light and there was light as powerful as the sun is it's simply a derivative of god's spoken word god declared it and god created it by the force of his word when god's getting ready to do something new and alive in your life he speaks it through his mouth. He declares it through his word. He prophesies it. He declares it. He speaks it into your spirit. And your alignment and obedience with that word will depend and determine whether that word manifests in momentum and fruit, or whether it actually just is burnt up because there's no depth of soil that's in our hearts. No wonder then that Satan's primary target of attack in our life is our obedience to God's word. Satan is absolutely committed to cutting off anything that reflects or resembles God's goodness and grace and mercy in your life. And so he comes to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 and he casts doubt upon what God said. He said, did God really say, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He wanted to bring a wedge, a separation between Adam and Eve, our original parents And God and his word, because he knew that when you and I come into faith-filled obedience to the word of God, supernatural, miraculous things begin to take place. Satan comes to Jesus in Matthew 4 in the desert, and he tempts Jesus to command these stones to become loaves of bread. And yet Jesus responded in verse 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word That proceeds from the mouth of God. That word, word in that passage is rhema inspired word. We don't live by bread alone, but we live by God's rhema inspired word in our hearts, in our lives. What is the word of God that you are living by this year? You see, too many of us, unfortunately, are more educated than we are obedient. We know more than we actually put into action. If you could just take 1% of what I'm teaching you today and put that into effect in your life, I'm telling you the cause of that word would produce such a powerful effect that your life would never be the same. You begin to see things and God manifests in your life in ways you never have before. It's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know. Many people in this room have heard the Bible stories have heard many sermons and preaching and uh, but but why don't we see more fruit in our lives because it's not what you know it's what you do with what you know it's what you put into action in your life one person with less revelation but more obedience will produce a greater harvest than a hundred people with more knowledge but less action Jesus didn't say greater knowledge than this will you know he said greater works than these will you do Our knowledge and what we know must translate into action. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the great theologian and teacher says this, faith is only real in obedience. If faith is only pondering on doing what God said, it's not really faith. If the theory of spiritual formation doesn't lead to obedience, then the theory is delusional because it teaches that obedience is optional. And where Believers, Christians, people who proclaim to follow Christ believe that obedience to God's word is optional, it's because of one fundamental issue. And if you haven't heard anything else in my message today, I'd ask you to lean in and listen to what I'm about to say. If you believe that obedience to God's word is optional, it's because of this primary thing you have not settled the lordship question in your life. In other words, who is Lord of your life? You see, running throughout this passage in two particular points, verse 4 and verse 8, Peter addresses Jesus as Lord. The first phrase, Master, actually means Lord. The second is in verse 8, that after Peter sees the astonishing miracle that took place because of his obedience to God's word, he says to Jesus, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Peter understood Jesus is not only the Son of God, but Jesus is Lord of His life. And the depth of your obedience this year will be determined by the width of Jesus' Lordship in your life. Let me say that again. The depth of your obedience in 2020 will be determined by the width of Jesus' Lordship in your life. Peter was like, if Jesus says it, that settles it because Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of creation. He's Lord of the universe and he's Lord of my life. Why do we find obedience so complicated? Why do we find it so challenging? And therefore, why do we then consider that it's optional? Well, our hearts are conflicted with divided loyalties, We like the idea and we want the benefits of Jesus as our savior, but we don't want to follow Jesus as Lord over every area of our lives. It's gotten real quiet in here. But it's true. We all wrestle with this. We want to be saved from our sin and we want to be saved from all of our problems and our sicknesses and all the issues in our world. And that's not a bad thing, by the way thanks be to God that He's given us His Son and a covenant of salvation and and provision for healing and all these things is part of God's good gift to us. But we often want the benefits of Jesus as Savior, but we don't want to bring our finances under His Lordship. We We don't want to bring our sexuality under His Lordship. We don't want to bring our jobs, our careers and the things that are important to us under our Lordship But salvation apart from obedience is a foreign concept in the Bible. You can't say that you're saved and following Christ and yet not love him enough to uh, obey him or not obey him. To love Jesus is to obey Jesus. It's what we are called to. There's an African proverb that says, he who tries to go in two directions at the same time will split his pants. It's a very profound revelation today. It's a good start to the year, Corey. Well done. But I don't know if you've tried to go in two directions at the same time. I tried it once. It was very painful. But many of us in our own heart, in our own lives, are trying to go in two directions at the same time. We want the benefits of the kingdom, but we don't want to follow Jesus as Lord. And we get frustrated and there's pain and there's challenges and there's all sorts of issues But once you settle the Lordship question, the response that comes from your heart is, but at your word. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand it. I may not even like it in my flesh, but I know you are Lord. You're not only Lord and sovereign over all creation, but you are Lord and sovereign over my life. You know what's best for me. You see, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, With the shadow of the cross looming over his life, the pressure upon Jesus was so severe. that The Bible says his sweat was like drops of blood. I don't know if you've faced stress or pressure to that magnitude, but Jesus, the Son of God, even though he was fully and properly God, he was also fully and properly man, he is stressed. It's like out of 10 or maybe 100 out of 10 right now. And yet in the midst of the pressure, think about it not only is he facing impending death, he's about to take on himself the sin of all the world, of all the universe, of all humanity, past, present and future. You'd be a little stressed too. And he says to the Father, Father, please take this cup of suffering away from me. I really don't want, I really don't want to go through with this. Yet not my will, but your will be done. How could Jesus, with all that stress, all that pressure, respond with obedience? It's because he settled who was ultimately in spiritual authority over his life. I want to ask you today have you settled in your heart who is Lord of your life? Or are you still the king on your heart? Are you still occupying the throne of your life? Because the key question confronting all of us is who is Lord? of my life and when you love Jesus as Lord obeying God's word becomes uncomplicated just like i don't get it i don't understand it but i'm going to walk by faith and not by sight i'm going to obey your word jesus said it like this in john 14:21 whoever keeps my commandments truly loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and i will love him and i will manifest myself to him, I want to tell you this year, God wants 2020 for Numa Church, for you, for your business, for your life, to be a net-breaking, boat-sinking, fish-catching year. Does anybody believe that? Would anybody be willing to come into agreement today that in every single area of your life, we're going to see God just bring such a catch of fish, a net-breaking, boat-sinking, blessed year that we're going to go deeper and, and, and because we're going to get ready to receive greater. And even when God's Spirit comes to us this year and says, so into that, go on that mission trip, sign up at Newma College, start that business, go and witness to that work colleague, take that person out for dinner and just bless them and encourage them and they're lonely and broken on the free. When God asks you to do something that doesn't make sense to your logical mind, Don't sit there and give Jesus like Peter all the reasons why this is not a good idea. But when you settle the lordship question, when you say, Jesus, you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the response, the only reasonable, rational and intelligent response to an almighty God is, but at your word, I will let down the nets and get ready for what God is about to do in your life and in our church in 2020. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God.